My name is Jer. I'm, one of the, I'm the pastor here at the Shore Church, and uh, we have a task force uh, alongside me to help me, to keep me accountable. Uh, but what I'm super excited about uh, today is uh, we're, we're beginning our discipleship series. All right, so we're hitting our three core values as a way of reminder. Last week, Peter, Dr. Peter Golan was here preaching on evangelism. We're going to hit discipleship now for nine weeks, and uh, it's going to be a blast. I'm actually super excited about it. But before I get into that, uh, I want to ask you a question. And you can answer out loud if you really, really want to, uh, but make sure, kind of keep it, I guess, keep it in your head. Uh, but what would you say, what would you say the center of your life, the center of your life is? You don't have to answer out loud, but just think in your head, what would you say the center of your life is? Like even looking back at this week, like what was the center of your life? Like what would someone actually alongside you say the center of your life is? I know, like, we know, like, as we've got a cross on the stage, like, we know as followers of Jesus Christ here that our, the, the answer to that question is Jesus, our Lord and Savior. This ought to be the answer. But is it? But is it? See, this discipleship series that we're getting into is going to hopefully push us and challenge us. This is what discipleship is. It's, it's pushing, keeping one another accountable, encouraging one another to growth, to movement. And this question ought to grow us in movement. It ought to change us. It ought to help us. See, when we look, I was talking to <clears throat> uh, Johnny, who was on banging the drum today. I was talking to Johnny earlier this week, and we got in trouble by our, our, our wives because an hour meeting turned into two hours and we didn't even notice and they were both phoning us and it was dangerous and, and we sheepishly went home. <clears throat> but uh, we were talking about the beauty, the beauty of British Columbia, <clears throat> the beauty of what we, where we live, right? Like we, we have mountains on one side and ocean on the other. We have trees, like majestic trees. And I was even talking to Bill earlier about this, like majestic trees, just green and, and flush and... And man, it's amazing, the place that we live. Like there's endless things to do. There's swimming holes. There's biking and hiking and skiing in the winter. And there's all kinds of different things that we can do. And, and there's gondolas. I'm not sure how you say gondolas, gondolas, gondolas. That take you up, that take away the sweat and the pain just to see the top of the mountain. Right? We even have those here. And we have it, not, not only those, but, but we have rec centers that have wave pools, right? We have, we have pools, libraries to, to learn and to get educated, right? We have, we have all kinds of, we have movie festivals, we have rock concerts, and we have every type of food known to the human race here in Vancouver. All the flavors of the world. And to put one thing as center of your life it's difficult. It's difficult. There's a lot of distractions. See, with all this in our backyard, to maintain one thing as the center is so hard. But the cool thing is, Jesus, it's, he's not telling us to not do these things. He's telling us to just do these with Jesus at the center, with himself at the center. 
It says this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, think about that. Whatever you do, like eating and drinking, he's taking it so simple and going, whatever you do, eating and drinking and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Like Jesus knows this life. He knows it. He lived it. And he knows our hearts. He knows our wants, our needs, and our desires. And he also knows the enemy that is waging war against us, who is trying to confuse us and distract us away from the very thing that God has called us to. See, we are called, commanded, charged, urged to make Jesus the focal point. This is what our call is. When you read the scripture, it changes you. It ought to change you to the point where Jesus becomes the focal point of all you do. And we have an enemy telling us completely opposite. He's making us the center. Me needs to be the center. So let me ask you again, if you had to put one thing as number one of your life, what would it be? What would it be? Would it be Jesus? And would you know how to get it there, get him there if he isn't? See, for the next, like I said, nine weeks, we'll be covering focused areas of the Christian faith. And they're on the screen there for us. It's assurance of salvation next week. And then attributes of God, then the Bible, then prayer, then spirit-filled life, and then fellowship, then witnessing, and temptation and obedience. And we're going to hit these. These are foundational parts of the Christian faith. Foundational areas of discipleship, of how we walk with one another. And these areas of the Christian life grow and develop. The idea of discipleship becomes not an idea. It actually becomes a lifestyle that you just cannot ignore anymore. And Jesus, Jesus calls us to the, this lifestyle to the point where in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. See, we need to start here. We need to start here, the purchase. We are purchased. We are a, a, a commodity that has some value. And purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Another way of saying this is that you are purchased instrument to be wielded by the hand of the Redeemer. You're in a purchased instrument to be wielded by the hammer or by the hands of the Redeemer. So I've mentioned this before, but the Christian walk is a long journey. It has many ups and downs, valleys and hilltops. And Jesus, and as you draw closer to Jesus, you actually you actually find out how little you actually know. He is that big, he is that vast to comprehend Jesus as Lord and Savior, a holy God. It's gonna take a lifetime. So as we kick this discipleship series off, let's pray and give this time over the Lord that he might grow us to his likeness and change us. Are you with me? Like th that we might be changed. Like he, God, is going to be completely faithful. Are we? Are we going to do our part as we walk in this? So let's pray and then we'll jump into this first, first Christ-centered life. Jesus, help us. Help us just open our hands to you and what you have for us. Help us be you-centered, not me-centered anymore. 
Help us without a shadow of a doubt or even a thought answer the question that I posed with, you are my center. Number one, you are my center and everybody else around me knows it. Help us, Lord, be about you and help us change starting today for your namesake and for your glory, not ours. In Jesus we pray, amen. Well, I want to hit three points today to help us organize our focus on Jesus. And the three points come out of an amazing verse. You, you, you really got to start with this one when it comes to Christ-centered life. So why don't we just stand and read it together. So stand and read it together. It's on the screen. It's Galatians 2.20. And my three points come out of this. And maybe over the week, here's some homework for you. All right. So this is going to be very, very much like homework, discipleship punch in the guts, let's go, all right? So here's some homework for you. You can challenge one another in your community groups, challenge one another through your text streams. We've got all the men on, on signal. We're trying our best to get all the men on there and all the women on signal to, so we can communicate with one another. So you can challenge each other with this memory verse. How are you doing? Did you get it? All right, so let's read it to, together, all right? Make it nice and loud in here, all right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about that. Think about that. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's grab a seat. Grab a seat. My three points today are renovation, approach, and practice. Renovation, approach, and practice. So let's hit renovation first. So renovation, you can see the verse again. This is where I got the renovation from, right? The first line. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. So if this is true, there needs to be change here, is it? Right? There needs to be a change. Like this is not some kind of little renovation of changing a light bulb. This is actually removing every single wall, ripping out the plumbing, ripping out the electrical, taking a jackhammer and jackhammering all the foundational blocks, taking out the concrete floor, taking, ripping everything out, getting a bin and chucking it all. This is a massive renovation that has taken place. See, the Bible speaks of newness, not just a thought change, but a new mind. In Romans 12, 12, it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. To be completely changed. Right? There's a re renovation that takes place. The, this renewal is happening because Jesus is now the owner of your house. He has the keys. He owns it now. He's bought it with a price, and his price was the shed blood on the cross 2,000 years ago, and his resurrection defeating death and sin completely for you, for me. And he did this. And he isn't some cruel or wacky. Do you guys ever have like a roommate? Right? Like some kind of weird, wacky roommate that goes, This is your half of the fridge, right? This is not, this is not Jesus. Like he owns the house. And he goes, let's room together. And he's going, not, no, this, this half of the fridge is mine. You can't, you can't put your sausage over there. You can't put your sour, sour cream salsa. Come on, man, put it on your own side. Or making you use your own cutlery, right? 
Right? You ever have a roommate like this? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you haven't. Uh, or you're, buy your own TV. I'm going to watch my TV. Right? He's not this wacky roommate. He wants you involved in the project, the project of this renovation. But not only involved, he has the best tools for the job and says, use them. Take them. Share these tools with others. This is the new owner of our house. Ephesians 4, to 24 says, to put off your old self. Remember all your old habits when you used to room with your buddies. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. It's a complete reno. Right, friends, to be Christ-centered is to be made new, not just in our thoughts, but a complete newness of mind. When Jesus even goes further in John 3, 3, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, not just a renewing of mind, this is complete rebirth. Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you experienced this rebirth, this complete renewal? See, this change happens in an instant when you are saved, but the process happens over time. The process happens over time, right? Like, like a reno, in an instant, you, you purchase a home. You get the keys on that day. And it's an amazing day. You feel like, oh, wow, I, I'm, a, I'm a homeowner. But then you walk into your home, and there's a lot of work to be done. And you're going to be, interestingly enough, you're going to be doing work on that home the rest of your life, aren't you? Right? For you homeowners, you know that you, you got you to cut the lawn once a week. You got to paint the siding again. You got to fix the hole in the wall that your son threw a baseball through. You got to do all kinds of different things, constantly fixing and repeat and repeat and repeat over and over again. And this is the Christian life. Welcome. Welcome. This is the Christian life. We have been purchased by the blood of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection by the work to be like Christ Jesus takes time. Jody and I are, uh, well, I think every house we've owned, we've owned three homes, but our second one uh, was a home in Vancouver that no one touched. Like no one. Like it was, uh, it was one of those ones that you drove by and go, mm. Like it was like that, like it, like the trees and bushes were growing up the side. You could see the siding rotting away. And Jody's like, I love this one. I was like, seriously? You know how much work there is to be done? Oh, you can get it done in a couple months. Um, no. Uh, anyways, we ended up buying it. But, but the thing is, like, it was like no one touched this thing. Like this was in the heat, in the highest point of like battles for homes and we go into this home and no one touched it for three months. And it was easy to know why. But we put a bid on it really low and we got it. And it took 10 months to, to renovate this thing, to just rip everything out. And I used a lot of my youth group. It was great. Free labor. <laughs> it was amazing. And so we ripped the, the, like everything out within a couple weeks. And then we took away the floor, half of the floor, this is how bad it was, half of the floor was actually dirt in the basement. And there was one rock, the cornerstone, it was built in 1909. And this, this rock was the only foundational corner of one of the parts of the house. And that was probably one of the most level parts of the house. It was actually really interesting. 
Anyways, we had to do the whole foundation, the whole floor, re- redo, and we got in there and 10 months later, and we moved in. But we got used to moving into a house with no window trim, no board, no baseboards, no railings. One of our good friends actually fell down the stairs because there's no railings. Sorry about that, if you're listening. Um, but we get used to it, right? We get used to the, these things. You get drywall marks on your clothes because you lean against the wall in the wrong spot. And that's exactly what would happen, right? We're saying our extended goodbyes at the front door and there's no window trim. You can actually see the plastic, the poly coming through the wall and there's drywall, like exposed drywall corners right there. And people are like saying goodbye and we're giving hugs and we're praying and we're having a good time. Another 30 minutes just stand by the door and there's this one person I was like, oh, you don't want to lean against that wall. You're going to get drywall chalk all over you. And that's exactly what happened. But this is the Christian life as well, right? The same thing happens in our Christian walk. Some, some of you are new, so you have this zeal about you that is contagious. And I love it. You have a zeal about you that is contagious. But unfortunately, I've seen it too often that after some time in the church, it wears off. It slows down. You get comfortable. You actually forget that Christ resides in you. And you forget that there needs some window trim. There needs some baseboard so that you don't get drywall chalk on your neighbor, so that your neighbor, you don't cause them to fall and stumble because of the no railings. See, my question to all of us, and maybe let me backtrack a little bit, and some of you are actually further down the road. Some of us have been to church for a long time, and this resonates a little bit, you know, like I've, I've become complacent a little bit within the church, and I'm used to just kind of coming and going. And I am used to what I see every single week and it really doesn't bother me anymore. And you know what I'm saying here. And you still battle the same things maybe you did when you first came to Christ. You still battle those same things. And it's just a cycle. See, my question to all of us and to myself this week is, are you done? Jer, sitting in my office now, finally got an office in my basement, which is great. And I was just looking, and I'm going, am I done? Am I done playing church? And am I ready to be the church? Am I done playing, and am I ready to be? Like, there's, there's definitely things when, you, when you're overseeing a church ministry, and the, every ministry that I, I, I've been a part of, there, there's some oversight that I've had, but now uh, there's an oversight of the whole church, and there's a lot of weight there, and I'm going, I don't want to lead these people in a wrong way. I don't want to have complacency that I've had in, pa- in times past. And I want to challenge one another as I challenge myself, and I'm done playing church. I'm done just reading the Bible and studying the Bible and praying, but really not living it out every single day. And maybe you're with me. Maybe you're with me. Maybe we can get going on this. See, are you done playing the game? Like you know, like you you want to know one another. You want to serve one another. You want to love one another. You want to care for one another deeply. And you want to be in each other's lives so deeply that you know ins and outs of their family. 
You know, ins and outs of how they hurt and how they grow and how they, they need some help. That's the church. That no one goes without anything. So if someone has a need, it's covered. And we do practice some of these things, but not consistently all the time. And we're not thinking of each other all the time. And that's what we want to get to. And this is a real question. We have all, we have to ask ourselves, especially here in North America, American context, because we are so used to comfort. Like coming to Christ is a personal life change, but oftentimes it doesn't affect the way it does in other parts of the world. Like you can go through school here as a follower of Jesus and become really good at dodgeball, right? You can become really good at, I, I was really good at dodgeball. But you never have ever shared your faith with your friend. You even don't know how to. That's why this series. I want to challenge us as, as your shepherd, as your pastor, to, to move us to that next level, to be done with church, to be actually the church where every single person that you walk know, by or know or confront in a day, they know you are a follower of Jesus Christ because you love him that much. Are we sold out for Jesus? That we'd be lo- willing to lose our job for him, stand on the street against the killing of children, go up to your neighbor in love and share Jesus with them because you know your neighbor is heading towards somewhere that is called hell and it's eternal separation from the Lord. See, personally, I'm done with this. I want to lead you well and I don't want to just, like I said, read the Bible and study the Bible. I want to actually live it out. As James calls us to, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of it as well. So I want to stop wasting our time, my time, that I've been granted and I want to use my time that God will not go, I have this against you. I don't want to hear those words when I get to see him face to face. I want to hear, "Good, well done, good and faithful servant. See, if that is the case and if this verse in Galatians is true that Christ lives in me, then I want to live my life to the fullest for his glory. And friends, family, are you guys with me? Are you with me? Are you done kind of playing church? You want to be the church? Let's make a change here in North Vancouver in real ways. And maybe some of the projects that we have and that we start with in our renovation is just reading the Bible. Just beginning simply, maybe because we've never read through the text of Scripture. And we have reading plan that we're doing as a church. And a lot of guys have texted me and say, hey, where's that app? And I want to follow along. And that's great. Let's get. But man, are we all reading somewhere through the, through the scripture? Maybe it's sharing your faith. Maybe getting to know your neighbor with a purpose to share Jesus with them. Maybe just find a project that you need. And maybe some of the community groups can ask these questions. What is your project of discipleship this week? So if that renovation has taken place in us, that Jesus is now the new owner of our house and we've got some projects to look at and run through, then we need now a different approach. And that's our second point. And approach everything differently. Let's look at Galatians 2.20 again. This is where I get approach from. It's highlighted on the screen there. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God. I live by faith in the Son of God. 
So remember, whatever we do, whether eating or drinking, like the simple things of life, eating or drinking, I'm constantly focused in on what this is for Jesus. This is for his glory. And man, I love having the kids up here and praying for them at the beginning. But man, everything that we do, constantly reminding this is for Jesus. As we set up chairs, this is for Jesus. As we take down chairs, this is for Jesus. As we put up lights, as we take them down, as we come and gather as the church, this is for him. This is for his glory. As we sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is for him. It's all about him and not about us, not getting about a free coffee. It's about drinking that free coffee for Jesus' name. Everything is about him. See, this verse is calling us to a different way of approaching the things we have done in the past and will do in the future. And we live by faith and to trust in the one who resides in us when we sleep, when we eat, when we drink, when we play. The Apostle Paul is calling us to be different. We live on his works, on Jesus' works. We live on his promises, on his life, and on an approach to it. See, this requires a level of trust to do this, right? It requires a level of trust that takes some time to build. We have great examples of this in the scripture. Joseph trusting the Lord on every turn of his life. And because I've started the reading plan already, I'm in the story of Joseph. And so this is really familiar to me. The ridicule of his brothers, the left for, being left for dead, sold into slavery and jailed and then redeemed to kingship. His life was a faithful one to bring glory to God. Or Paul, the apostle Paul, persecuted, flogged, beaten, jailed, and famously saying in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Can we truly say that every moment of our life? Then again in our text this morning, I live by faith in the Son of God. Can we say that? That's why I want us to memorize this. Can we say that this week? I live by faith in the Son of God. I don't know if you have a trust problem. I, I definitely, I think all of us do. It can't be just me. See, we judge and are very watchful of others. We interpret others' behavior on a personal grid that we have set up to protect ourselves from being hurt. Sound familiar? I think we all do this. We protect ourselves from being hurt constantly. See, some, sometimes going as far as not reading certain books because the author differ, differs in one area of the life than you. Sometimes you write people off completely because of their actions towards you or a loved one. See, we have grids of judgment that we have ultimately set up for our kingdom's protection. The most common one is how we do relationships, right? Especially dating relationships. We set up grids constantly for one another. And oftentimes our grid is our expectations of what this person fulfills in me. And that's the wrong way to be looking at it. See, or we just spend time with people that like what we like and do what we do. Or we date people that might miss knowing Jesus for the sake of our fleshly expectations. See, don't get me wrong, it's easier that way, but you will miss out if you never explore the opportunity that you just might learn something new. As a pastor, I see this so clearly because I'm not the same as all of you. I can't be. It's actually impossible. Right? But I, I do my best and I try my hardest to get along with each one of you and I think we can do this. And we're all so different. But we have one focal point and that's Jesus. 
That's why it works. That's why it works. See, Jesus is saying, trust me, abide in me, put your faith in me. These are massive asks that cause our grid, our walls to be built up. When people say, come follow me, that instantly builds my self-fleshy grid to rise. But God is going, I want to love you. And the cool thing is Jesus is yet to disappoint the humble, the one that's lowered the wall. He's yet to disappoint that person. He's yet to disappoint the meek and the tender-hearted, the people that most often have been hurt by another. Those are the ones he draws near to. And friends, I hope you're tracking with me because we are all the broken. Every one of us. Every one of us are the broken. And he's the one that's drawing near to us. And are we building a grid or dropping it down? We all have a grid we evaluate people with. Jesus is different. And he is calling us to let go, put your hope, trust, faith in him, and let him prove himself again and again because he is trustworthy. He's worthy of our trust. So living a life that is centered on Christ requires faith. It requires a new approach. It requires humility. It also requires an intellectual decision that he is God. To know that everyone here is in some way have gone, has gone through hurt, suffering, pain, and trial, and the same solution is for each one of us? That should blow our minds a little bit. The same solution. Like I've read before, every, every hope that we have is found in Christ. See, to have the Lord reside in us, to help us have a new approach to live for him is comforting. So may we walk in him, have faith in him, trust in him, hope in him, and and walk in humility that Jesus abides in us and we in him. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God because he's my hope. He's my trust. See, some application for this point in their approach is to take uh, to your community group is what old approach do you need to let go of? What old approach do you need to let go of? Maybe you've approached things differently before. Maybe there needs to be more humility in this area of my life, in this little rental room here. It needs to be renovated. And what new approach will you seek to draw closer to Jesus? Let's hear your third point. So renovation requires a new approach and a new practice. The last portion of our verse in Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And here's the practice, who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the practice is we are to practice what Christ has done for us. He is our example. And we're to live the way he has called us to live the way he has lived. Remember, and he has purchased us with the price of his blood and now resides in us, renovating us from the inside out, giving us a new approach and now a practice, a practice that he exemplifies for us. That he is never calling us to do something that he hasn't done already. And those people are so good to follow, aren't they? One that will actually get down and dirty with you. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He exited out of heaven and entered into his own creation and got down and dirty with us. And he died for our sin, paying the penalty for us. 
See, one of my favorite passages is Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. It's going to be on the screen, but please follow along if you have your Bible and just jot down some things, circle th- some things in this. We're just going to walk through this really slowly and then we'll close. But this is the practice. This is the practice. So let's read it together. If you have been raised with Christ, seek. Seek. Right? Go after urgently try to find something. This is what seek means. So if then you have been raised with Christ, if you're new, like if there's been a renovation project in you, seek. Seek what? Well, the things that are above. Things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then also set your minds. Think differently. Again, approach things completely differently. Practice how you do things differently than you've done in the past. Putting off your former things of life. So set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You've been reborn. When Christ who is, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What an amazing promise. This is talking about heaven. When you Live for him. He is going to enter into you. you. He has bought you with a price and you will enter into the gates of glory with him. So what? Put to death, set aside, ignore, cancel. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So why is the wrath of God coming? Why does it feel like God's wrath is upon the earth? Because of these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. We've got a world right now that is lifting up sexual behavior contrary to what God has called us to in marriage. Why is the wrath of God coming? Pretty easy to figure this out. It's right here. In these, you too once walked... Interesting. No one here is immune to this. And I'm standing up here admitting I once walked in this way too. So when you were living in them, but, what a, what a crazy command, but you must now, but now you must, sorry, but now you must. This is a loving command here. But now you must put them all away. Put away your anger, put away your wrath, your malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. That's a hard one. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. That means... Everybody is invited into his family. And then again, put on then. Attach to yourself. Build new habits. Approach things differently. Practice these things. Put on then what? As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on patience. And bear with one another. And if one, here's a blows you away, right? Bear, it, if one has a complaint against another, mind-blowing here, forgive them. 
Forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful, because he did all of this for you. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, here's another part where Paul says the same thing again. Whatever you do, whether hiking, biking, going out with your neighbor, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a great passage. What a great practice. This is what we're called to practice. Renovation, approach things differently, and now practice these things. Look on the screen. Just This is a, a compiled list out of this passage. The, these are the put-offs. Put-off sexual immorality. Church, practically, this means the things you look on on Instagram, social media, movies, and TV, there needs to be a renovation of your mind and heart. This might be the project this week. Renovate it. Asking the Lord to help you purge this old way of life away from you. Impurity, looking or watching something that is dirty or impure. This might be one of those renovation projects this week. Passion, this means a strong emotion that is about your self-kingdom rather than God's. You're passionate about you rather than the Lord. Maybe that's a project or evil desire or covetousness. Like, I really want this. I really, I desire this so deeply. Maybe this is a renovation project. Or anger, maybe anger with your kids or your neighbor or a friend to go to them and ask for forgiveness. Wrath or malice. Malice simply means to pervert your moral compass. To pervert your moral compass. To do something with evil intention. Like you have an evil against another person rather than actually loving them. Or slander or obscene talk or lying. These are the put-offs. This is what God has called. And this is like a lifetime. This is a lifetime of work. So what are we to put on then? So, but rather put on and practice what? Compassionate hearts, thinking more highly of another. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness. To have the word of Christ dwell in you. That's why I'm challenging all of us to read through the Bible together in the year. To have it dwell in you. To admonish one another in all wisdom. Meaning, you need to know what the scriptures say before you admonish someone. To sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. To do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, whether it be eating or drinking. Do it for his glory. This is our practice this week. To remember we are in the renovation stage, friends. We're in a renovation stage. To think differently and not be complacent to actually be the church together, to challenge one another and, can, and to help one another live this way. Last slide there, Mark. 
the renovation stage to think differently and not be complacent, to approach life with faith in God's kingdom rather than ours, and to practice the things of God with the power of the Holy Spirit within us, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed and renewed in Jesus every single day. I've done it before, but stand at attention. I'm your servant today, Jesus. Use me despite my sin nature. Please purge that for me. Help, my, help that just be done and help me serve you as your servant today, your chosen one, your son. Because I want to serve your kingdom. You guys ready? Let's go. Let's do this kind of stuff. This is a practice. This is the beginning of discipleship. This is how we begin to move to the next level. We don't just sit and listen, but we sit, listen, and then go. Amen? Amen. Let's let pray. Jesus, help us. Help us not just listen to your word and be deceptive about it and not be willing to transform and allow your Holy Spirit to transform us day by day. But, Lord, help us be humble and meek before you and be transformed by your spirit to be wielded by you, Jesus, for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. And if that means getting out of our comfort zone and sharing our faith and, and asking questions of our neighbors because we so desperately love them and want them to come to know you, Jesus, if this means getting down on the floor and wrestling with our kids or our grandkids and, and just reminding them how much Jesus loves them, Help us be transformed in everything we do, whether we eat or we drink. May our prayers be different as we, as we sit at the table before food. May we remember that everything that we've been given is a provision from you. It's all yours, Jesus. Everything is yours. And so may we just be transformed in praising you every single moment we possibly can as we drive in the car, as we sit in our homes, as we sit in a park, as we, as we walk to a work or we bike or we, we play or we come to church, may we praise your name. Jesus, help us be changed. Help us be your church that we never lose our first love, but that we be transformed into your likeness. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen.